Today we're going to start a new series, and it's not a, well, it's not a new one, it's an old one that we're going to redo. We did this years ago, and uh, we did not uh, come up with this, but actually give the credit to Robert Morris. Uh, He wrote a book years ago, but it's such a great series, and there's so much uh, wisdom to to learn from this series that we felt like it was a good time to, uh, matter of fact, it was 2003, I think, when he wrote the book. That's how old it is. Anyway, turn to Genesis chapter 37, and the series that we're starting today is From Dream to Destiny. Now, what this is speaking of is this, is that that you may not have received the dream from God yet, but we'll explain a little bit further in in a little bit, but this is a story about the life of Joseph. And the other night, we, we have Netflix. You can get on Netflix, and they got all these movies, and you can stream them down to your TV, but Christy and myself, and I don't know if Callie was there, and Cammy were there, and we wanted to have a family movie night. So we're going through there, and the actual movie about Joseph popped up, the cartoon. Now, how many of you have ever seen the cartoon about Joseph? Is that the name of the show? Joseph? Okay, The Coat of Many Colors. So anyway, we, we watched this show, and I tell you what, I was brought to tears a couple times. Because to look, you know, look at all this guy had to endure to get to the point of where God wanted him to fulfill the purpose in his life. I mean, this guy was, was, and we're almost there in in our Wednesday night Bible study, but but this guy was sold by his brothers because they hated him so much. And they sold him into slavery. And he went from, he started out in a pit, then he, he goes, he, he, he journeys to, to, to uh, Egypt where he's, you know, treated as a slave. He goes into this man's house named Potiphar. He serves as an awesome servant there. Uh, Potiphar's wife hits on him. He actually resists, but he gets falsely accused of, of, of trying to, to, to assault her. So he gets thrown in prison. In prison, God has favor on him, and he becomes over all the prisoners. Uh, but there he gets to meet Pharaoh's, uh, he, he meets two of Pharaoh's uh, servants, you know, the cupbearer and the baker. And they have dreams, and he interprets them, and he says, don't forget about me. Well, they go out, well, they, they, they didn't forget about him, but it took a while for the, the cupbearer to remember him. But Pharaoh has a dream, he goes and calls Joseph, Joseph interprets the dream, and Pharaoh says, this man will answer to no one except me. So he goes from a pit, to being the second in charge, basically, of the, the known world. and uh, But because of this, he served a purpose. Way greater, than, way greater than himself, and the purpose was God's purpose, and the purpose was to save people from famine and from death, and also to continue on with the plan of God. And so, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to just be real transparent about myself today. But when you read it, when you look at the life of Joseph, and you start looking at your life, and you start looking at what you've been through and what you've came through, or some of you, what you're going to look forward to, it, it really sheds a lot of light on what we need to know. And so I want you to go to Genesis 37, chapter, uh, verse 1. And we'll begin reading there through uh, verse 11. It says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's, sojournings in the land of Canaan. It says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being how old? Seventeen years old. Keep that in mind. Was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah 
and Zilpah, his father's wives. Now, y'all remember here recently, we just went over this. Uh, his, uh, his father, Jacob, had two wives. And how, how many years did he have to work to get them? Fourteen years, and he ended up with, y'all remember? No, his wives, Leah and, and Rachel, okay? So remember, he wanted Rachel. He worked seven years. Well, they snuck Leah in on him, and he said, okay, we'll give you Rachel, but you're going to have to work for another seven years. So he works 14 years for these two ladies. And uh, Leah began to have babies, and Rachel not, didn't begin to have babies. She was barren. And so they began to also bring in their, 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 their servants, you know, uh, Zilpah and, and Bilhah, and, and between the four of them, they ended up with 12 kids. And these began the, the, the 12 tribes of Judah. And so uh, these were his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. So Joseph is out pastoring the sheep, he's with his brothers, and he brings a bad report of them to his father. So what does this make Joseph? A tattletale. That means he's getting his brothers in trouble. Now, is this a good way to get, you know, have favor with people, to be a tattletale? No. So immediately, he's the youngest, he's a tattletale, and he's already aggravating his brothers. Um... Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, what was the result? They hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Verse 5. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they, what, hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. This is a bundle of, of wheat, okay? He said, mine, mine stood upright. And he says, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? And they're like, who do you think you are? You're the youngest. And now you're having dreams that we're going to bow down to you. That you're going to be the Lord over us. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. That's a key point right there. He being the youngest and having these dreams... His words brought offense to his brothers. His words made him hated even more than they already hated. So do you see the predicament that he was in? He was not helping the case that, uh, against him that was already before him because of the jealousy of his brothers. Verse 9, it says, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers, and behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And so we see here of a young man who is having dreams 
but he is hated by his brothers because he is favored by his father. He's a tattletale, and he's also telling his brothers these dreams that he's having, saying that you're going to worship me, you're going to, well, you're going to bow down to me as a Lord over you one day. That's not what you want to tell people who are already angry at you, who are already mad at you, who are jealous of you. You know, it's, it's really kind of a, a bad idea. So this, is, this, you know, this begins a very interesting story. And so here he is at 17 years old, okay? And in Genesis 41, 46, it said, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of, e of Egypt. So for all these years, from 17 years old to 30 years old, he had to go through a process of preparing him to even not, not complete his destiny, but start his destiny. He was 30 years old when he stepped before Pharaoh, and the actual purpose that he had in life began. And that was to interpret Pharaoh's dream, to prepare for the famine that was prophesied in the dream, and to see all the people fed. And, and that was, there was seven years of, of good uh, harvest, and there were seven years of lean harvest. And so that was 14 years of, of what he had to do. And so, so he had these 13 years of God preparing him to just begin to do what he wanted him to do. And, and the, the thing of it is, is that I want you to hear today is this is that some of you, or many of you, may have a dream that, this, that, that you feel that God wants me to fulfill this in my life, but I'm going to tell you this, you have to go from living in the dream to begin to walking in the destiny. So many people in churches today are stuck living in the dream and not walking in the destiny. They know about what God wants them to do or what God has put upon their heart, but they're not actually doing what God has called them to do. And there's a process there. You know, for example, in myself, I knew that God wanted me to be a pastor when I was 12 years old. But I didn't even begin to pursue that until I was in my mid-20s. And I asked myself, and I wonder, what if I would have committed at a younger age? Or what if I would have been preparing at a younger age? And what's even, what's even more funny is that when I begin to walk in the, re in the reality, I was still more unprepared than I thought I was. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But how many of you, when you die, want to feel that, hey, I accomplished what God has called me to do in this life? How many of you want to feel that way? Because I believe this. I used to tell the teenagers this all the time. I believe that you could, you could, you could go live in a cave and you could, like, for seven years, ponder, this is the way I want my life to look like. And I believe that it will not compare to what God has for you already. I believe that God's plan for you is the ultimate plan. It's the best plan. And, and so, in, in that being said, I believe that the sooner that we partner with God, as Gary Stewart calls it, and, and, and submit to Him, and learn from Him, and, and humble ourselves to Him, that we can begin to walk in the destiny that God wants us to walk in. Because I'm going to tell you this, there's going to be a day and an age where you're just too old to really go back and start all over again. And so it's important that where we're at, say, God, what do you want me to do with my life, and how can I begin to do that? And so, Joseph, what we're going to do is, this is a 
10-week series. It's not a short one, but we're going to talk about 10 tests that Joseph went through in his life that enabled him to, to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. And until you deal with these tests, until I, and, and you know, I hate to use the word pass because here's the deal. God, God's really not a pass or fail guy. He's like, okay, let's do this again. Let's do this again. Let's do this again. Let's do this again. God, God he's very, he, he has a big curve on his grade chart. He, he'll give you that test until you learn how to pass it. I remember dad, dad, you, you will not get dad to say he's learned anything. He will only say, I'm learning. Because in his life, and, he's, and, and even us, he's got us nervous to say that we're learned anything. And you ought to be, because here's the deal. Don't get too confident in yourself that you've learned anything. Because honestly, a lot of these things, these tests, these things are ongoing things that we're going to experience. Today we're going to talk about pride. And I'm going to tell you what, how many of you have ever dealt with pride? Okay, the rest of you are dealing with it right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> suckers. <laughs> so it took Joseph 13 years. 13 years. Have you ever felt like, God, am I, am I going to get anywhere in my life? God, have I accomplished anything? God have, uh, you know, and sometimes we're even stupid enough to say, God, have you ever done anything for me? Then you've gone to complete idiosity or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, David says this, count your blessings. You know what, that's not a good idea that you should do when you have nothing else to do. We should count our blessings every time, every time we open our eyes, every time we close them, and especially every time we come in the house of the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you this, Satan will trick you to think that God's not done anything for you lately, amen? And that, that counting of blessings, that open confession of thank you, God, for what you've done in my life, reminds you of God's goodness. It reminds you of his faithfulness. We know, we know Sydney's thankful for having that baby. Why? Because she's wanted that baby for years. And you know what? She calls it her promise because a, a, a prophetic person that is trusted prophetically prophesied to her, God's going to bless you with a baby. And you know what? She said, okay. And she believed that through even miscarriage. But going, you know what? I believe God said he's going to do what he's going to do. And he did. And so what she wanted to do is she wanted to come up here today and count her blessings to say, thank you, God, for what you have done in my life. But here's the deal. God has a dream for you. Now, the dream is not the end. The dream is the means to compel you to the destiny. The dream is the means to get you to focus and to, to prepare for what God wants you to do. Like I said, God's destiny for you is better than anything you can create yourself. But as, as, as many questions arise, the number one one is this. How do we know what the dream of God is in our life? How do I know what God wants me to do in my life? You know, for me, it was simple in the effect of God showing up saying, Hey, I want you to be a pastor. And the rest was up to me to submitting to that and to preparing for that. But here's the deal. There, there, was, there was always in the background this dream of me being a pastor one day. But here's the thing. Something that you notice about Joseph is this. Was the point of the dream to get Joseph 
to tell his brothers, you're going to bow down to me? Do you think that's what God's purpose of that dream was? Do you think God's purpose of that dream was to make Joseph feel like, hey, you're going to be a man of importance one day? Or do you think it was to tell Joseph that, hey, you're going to have a, a, an important responsibility one day? And so what he did, and arrogantly and proudly, he made it about himself. The dream was about him. Wasn't about the calling that God had for him. It was about him. And therefore, he was arrogant about it. Therefore, he was proudful about it. And therefore, he caused big division between him and his brother, brothers that got him in much trouble. You know, we've all had fights with brothers and sisters, but imagine having... He only had ten because Benjamin wasn't born yet. But imagine that. Imagine having ten brothers mad at you. Imagine. You know, when you think about that, the fact that he was thrown in a pit and sold to slavery isn't really that far out of reach. Because some of us have been in some crazy... Because here's the deal. When you get ten mad people, that's a lot more cordwood for the fire of anger between people. I mean, you know, when you got ten people that are mad coming up with ideas on how to handle things, it could get pretty bad pretty quick. But, but, but what I see here is this. is I, I see... I, I totally relate to Joseph being arrogant and being like, well, God's got big plans for me. And, and let me explain. When I was a little boy, when, when I was a little boy, I was shy. I didn't want to be a preacher. I'm still, I still ain't got over having to sing in front of the church with Sharissa just one time. You know, I mean, that, that greatly, you know, and I believe that Satan used that day, not Sharissa, but that moment to kind of to to, 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 to scar me from getting in front of people. And it's funny because I look back in my life, the, the first place that I ever really technically spoke in front of people was in the Marine Corps. Because in the Marine Corps, everybody has to give a period of instruction. And it's, what's cool about it is it's written out for you. All you got to do is memorize everything. Or memorize, yeah, memorize. If you do it twice, you have to memorize it, okay? But, or three times. If you only do it once, you have to memorize it. So, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for this humility. Yes. So, being on pride. So, but you, you get up there and you have to give a period of instruction. So, you get all these Marines in front of you. you you've memorized the class. So, I got it right at the same time. I learned quick. Um, but, like on, a, on, a, and on an M16 rifle, you know, this is an M16A4 rifle. You know, it's, uh, it's automatic, you know, and air cooled and. You know, and all this good details has the 30 round magazine, and you know, and you're teaching Marines. And so I begin to do that, and I see how God used my life to prepare me. Even in areas that I didn't even realize, God was preparing me to do what I'm doing today. But the thing of it is, though, is, is because, and in, in, in my successes in life were totally God. You know, I had favor, you know, in, in certain places where I would go. But when it came about time for me to, be, to, to come here and become a youth minister, I thought, well, you know what? I've done well at everything else. Surely I'll be good at this too. And so I become a youth minister. And I think I know a little bit more than I really didn't. And I used to sit in Dad's office every Monday going, Dad, I think we need to do this instead. And I drove that man slap crazy. I'm serious. Instead of, instead of being humble... Instead of, not, instead, of, instead of knowing what I don't know, instead of being arrogant to a man who's been in the Philippines and seen more people saved than one day than I've led to the Lord in my life. You see what I'm saying? I was arrogant. 
And I thought, ah, I, we need to do this the new way. We need to put a new spin on this. We need to do what everybody else is doing. And now God has brought me to a point in my life to where I could care less what everybody's doing. I do not want to be famous. I don't care if I'm known outside of this church. If I die in that trailer house, I don't give a flip. All I want is this, is that when I die, is I want to make disciples of people. You see, I don't want to just amass a bunch of people together to say that, hey, you know, look, look what we did. We massed a bunch of people together. I want to see people come so close in contact with Jesus that it affects their lives so greatly that when I die and, and, and am around no more, that the beat goes on. Amen? That people continue to tell people about Jesus, to lead people to God in relationship through worship, and to walk in the grace that God has given to us. You see, this has nothing to do with me. Because when you think that it's about you, you're going to live a miserable, long, arduous life. Because you're never going to measure up. You're always going to be battling with yourself. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know what the heck I'm doing without God. If you, and here's the deal. You don't know what you're doing without God. You see, the key is to this, is this. This is why God detests pride so much. God says that he, he, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. I mean, we have to humble ourselves to even begin a relationship with God. We have to humble ourselves to say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I am dirt. God, I am unrighteous. God, I am, I am, there is nothing good about me outside of what your son can do for me. And we don't, the day after, get up and say, okay, now I'm righteous and now I begin to do this myself. No, we have that mentality day in and day out. The Bible says that, 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 that there is a fall, a dead gum and I'm blanking out. The fall. I said it last week. No, that, you know, we're basically before, but proud people, they got a fall coming. Yeah, pride comes before the fall. Pride comes, yeah, one of the simplest scriptures, and I'm like, duh. You know, pride comes before the fall. So what do you have to look forward to if you're proud? Falling. And why are we so, what do we do? We resist on our pride so hard to keep us from falling, but what is inevitable if you're proud? You're going to fall. You're going to fall. No questions, no doubts. That's, that's just what's going to happen if you're proud. That's why we, every day we get up, we need to say, Jesus, I need you more. More than yesterday, I need you more. More than anything, I need you more. You, you see? Say, Jesus, I, I just needed you that one time. No, I need you more and more and more and more and more and more. You see, we can't, this message is truth. But it can't, it can't be just pragmatic. It can't just be practical. Because this is what churches are doing today. Here's the five steps to this, and the four steps to that, and the three steps to that. There's one step, and his name is Jesus. That's the, that's the, that's the key to all the problems. We have so many discipleship classes today that are on marriage and children and this and that and the other. What we need is Jesus. What we need is his word. What we need is to walk in his relationship. We need him more and more and more. 
So God has a dream for you, and how do you find out what that dream is unless you already have the dream? Now, if you already have the dream, that's good, but what we want to do is we don't want to foul that up. We don't want you to live in the dream until you die. We want you to somewhere begin to live out that dream in your destiny that God's called you to live in. But Numbers 12, 6 through 8 says this, and it says, And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. It says, he is faithful in all my house. Key word. He is faithful in all my house. What does that mean? Moses walked with the Lord. Moses sought the Lord. Moses was faithful in all his house. He said, with him I speak mouth to mouth. Clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Hmm. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So he's using this to say, hey, I talk to him mouth to mouth. Don't you be bad-mouthing Moses. Don't be bad-mouthing Moses. There many, many a man died really quickly for coming against Moses. Why? Because God had favor with, Moses had favor with God because he walked with God. And what God's saying here is this, and we also read in the New Testament that, that Moses was a friend of God. Alright? So Moses was a friend of God. Moses had a relationship with God. God didn't, didn't speak in riddles to Moses. God was just straight up with Moses saying, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And you know what? Moses needed that kind of integrity. Why? Because when you're standing on the side of a river and you have nowhere to go and the chariots are coming and they're looking to take your head off, you need to hear from God now. Not later, but now. And so many people, they want to hear from God, but they don't want to be faithful in all his house. So many people want God to speak to them, but they don't want to, you know, do what God's asked them to do. God don't roll that way. You know, there's a principle in the Bible. The Bible says, you know, the Bible, and I said this a lot, he that is faithful with little will be faithful with much. If you want to be faithful with much, such as your destiny, you need to be found faithful with a little. Are you faithful to what God has called you to do? You know, there's a difference between being legalist and being faithful. You don't, you don't go through the motions because if I do, here's the deal. You can't gain or lose favor with God once you're his child. Now, you can, you can, you can uh, be disciplined because he loves you. But you have to understand that there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more than he already does. And that's part of the, the, the fix of the problem, and we'll share that in a minute. You need to understand that God loves you. And you should do these things as a result of your love for Him. Because He first loved you. And so, that's why we need to serve Him. Uh, John fifteen fourteen through 15 says this, You are my friends if you do what I command. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. You are my friends. If what? You're faithful to what I tell you to do. He says, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made what? Known to you. So if you want to, be, if you want to know what God's dream is for you, if you want to know what God's thinking, if you want to know what God thinks about your life, you need to become faithful. 
You need to become a friend of God that walks with Him and that He speaks to clearly, not in riddles and, and in difficult ways, but become a person who hears the Word of the Lord. See, we sit around, what we do is we get saved and some people sit there for 10 years like, I can't hear nothing. Because you're not doing anything. You're not serving God. You're not being faithful. You're not, you know, and here's the thing. What do you do right now? The things that you know to do. Expecting God to open it up even more so in your life. But God cannot, oh listen, God cannot only reveal to you your destiny, but He will help you fulfill your destiny. You see, you need God to speak to you what He wants you to do, but you also need God to help you fulfill it. So that's the first thing. God has a dream for you. The second thing is this, is don't brag about the dream. Don't brag about the dream. In other words, don't be arrogant. Don't be proudful. Don't make it about you. Make it about God. Don't be like I was when I first got here thinking, well, I was a Marine Scout sniper, yada, 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 you know? And, but, you know, even before that, you know, I, I went from being a Marine Scout sniper to a, a bolt-up hand. That's not a good thing. Because here you've got authority and you've got privilege and all this stuff, and then now you're like on the bottom of the food chain in a place where there isn't much of a food chain. You know, dead gum subcontractors. And, and you know, and, and old men looking at you like, you make $2 an hour, heck, I made 25 cents back in 1892. You know what I mean? It's just, uh. And so, so, you know, what you had to do is, I had to learn this. Keep your mouth shut and do your work. And you know what? The, the, thing, the, thing, the thing about pride is this, is that the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut. Because why? Because pride is a result of what's on the inside. Matthew 12, 34 says, You brood of vipers. I'm not talking to y'all. This was to the Pharisees. But if you're a viper, hey, I can't do anything about it. It says, How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles the person. See, the Pharisees were talking about what people were eating and what people were drinking, and Jesus said, No, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles you. Why? Because the mouth is the, is the sounding board for what's in your heart. If there's evil in your heart, it'll come out. If you want to listen, if you want to hear somebody's proud, listen, listen to them. It, I mean, you can't, and the deal is you can't talk, you can't speak with pride and say that you don't have pride because the mouth reveals what's in the heart. But we brag because pride is in our heart. You know, God doesn't like pride. Joseph took the dream, the dream to be about him instead of God. But you know what? Here's the deal. You could say, okay, well, I just need to shut up and quit talking. But the problem is, is that's dealing with what's going on on the outside and not dealing with what's going on on the inside. The dream starts us toward our destiny. And if we can't handle the dream, we can't handle the destiny. We got to realize that we, this destiny that we have, if we can't handle the dream, then we're not going to be able to handle the destiny that God has given us. And so we've got to go beyond dealing on the outside with issues. And we've got to go to the heart of the matter and say, why am I having pride issues? We've got to go down to the heart of the matter. So God has a dream for you. Don't brag about the dream. Understand it's about God. It's not about you. Because if you ever think it's about you, then you're going to take it upon yourself to walk this out. 
You're going to take it upon your abilities to walk this out, and you're not going to be able to pull anything off. I've done stupid things and said stupid stuff, but God was there and pulled it off. And then on the days where I thought, man, that was the best I've ever done, it was the flattest it ever was because God wasn't there doing it. You hear what I'm saying? I've, I've, gone, I've gone up and made worse words than rememorize, you know, and like, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm fumbling this up, you know, and, and I'm like, God, and inside I'm going, I need you more. I need you really, really fast right now, you know, and people get saved or whatever, and people come up and say, you know what, that really spoke to my heart. I'm saying, thank you, God. It wasn't me. Definitely wasn't me. But the dream starts us towards our destiny. If we can't handle the dream, we can't handle the destiny. So what we have to do is we can't, you know, we can't brag, but the deal is we have to go to the heart of the matter. So the deal is we have to deal with the root of pride. We have to deal with the root of pride. You know, like I said, once again, how many of you dealt with pride? Everybody's hands up this time. Oh, I saw it. You were slow, Rebel. Slow. You thought about it. You know? But here's the deal. How many of you dealt with it more than once? Yeah. See, this isn't something that we just like, okay, that's done with. Let's move on. You know, I'm, you know, one done on the next one, whatever that saying is. You know, you, it's a continual thing. You see, Satan will take anything that you give him. He's looking every day for people that he may devour, right? I mean, he's looking every day for opportunities to get involved in our hearts. But we have to deal with the root of pride. Now, what is the root of pride? It's insecurity. It's insecurity. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes I just get, like, overwhelmed with how insecure I can be sometimes. Teresa told me one time, not too long ago, you know, for, she goes, for a Marine Scout sniper, you sure are insecure. I'm like, dang, thanks a lot, you know. But, but the thing of it is this, and, and this, this is key, people, to the Christian life. This, this is key to the Christian life, is your security in Jesus Christ. Not just your salvation for an eternity. Not, not, you know what? Just even if, even if we could just say, okay, I know, you know, in which we should. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Amen? You should know that heaven is in your destiny. But, you know, but, but even beyond that, how many Christians today struggle with the love of God? How many people, they feel like, oh, and here's the thing. When you become proudful to think that God loves you based on your works, you've already shot the gospel out of your head and forgot everything about it. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you. God loves you. And when we do fall, it's because of that love that should compel us to run to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me for I have fallen. And Lord, help me not to trust in myself. Help me to trust in you because you are my righteousness. You are my peace. It's because of you that God loves me and has given me peace. But this insecurity, it does, it causes us to begin to be proud, to begin to try to go back to this works mentality of, of, of trying to earn our, our favor with God, of trying to make things right. It's because of our pride that, that Saul, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't intercede with God before he would go to battle. He would do things his own way, and he would end up losing the battle. But God says this, hey, before you go fight, come worship me. Come consult me. Before you deal with things, before you make decisions in life, 
pray to me. And here's the thing, if you're walking with God and a friend of God, God will speak to you without riddles. God will speak to you. And a lot, most people can't hear from God because they're not serving God faithfully. And God is a God of this. You've got to walk in the faith before you're going to see the fruit of it. But insecurity is the root of pride. And also, insecurity comes with every new challenge. You see, we get secure in what we're doing in Christ, but then God says, okay, now it's time to move on to the next step. I mean, you know, you, you get comfortable, right? You get confident that everything's okay, and then you go to another level. Say, I mean, like Dad, I imagine. You know, he's preaching at a church in Alto, Texas with, with you know, a couple hundred people, and then next thing you know, he's in the Philippines speaking to thousands of people. That's got to be almost traumatizing unless you just really know, unless, you, you're, unless you're a person of faith that says, hey, I know God's called me to do this. And I doubt he was afraid that day. Matter of fact, he had to jump off the stage and chase some witch doctors off that were trying to do some witchcraft while he was preaching, you know. And, uh, and so, and that was like a 12-foot platform, wasn't it? Yeah, and he's only three foot tall. That's a pretty good, you know, well, that's, our, that's my grandma's fault for both of us. But, but you know, I mean, just, we do, we, we, get, we, get in our, we get in our, we get in our places of comfort, and then what does God say? Let's go to the next level. Well, I was thinking yesterday about, you know, the, you know, everybody loves the mountaintop experiences that we use for our illustrations for life. But, you know, how do you get from one mountaintop to the next? You've got to go through a valley unless you have a zip line. And I haven't found one of those. Even zip lines are scary, though, depending on how high the mountain is. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you're going to go, you still got to go down before you come up. It's just the law of gravity. Some of us have more gravity working against us than others. Easy. <laughs> but, but think about it. I mean, you know, God, God calls us to places, and then he's like, I don't want you to go to this place. And you know what? It's, it's, it's like Indiana Jones when he, when he had to do the leap of faith. He didn't see anything, but he was quoting, uh, you know, scriptures and whatnot, and he said, okay, I got to go. He just stepped out there. Of course, he cheated. Then he threw, you know, dirt over his trail so he could see it when he came back by. But, but uh but it takes faith, you know, and it takes trust, and it takes security. It takes security in God to say, God, if you've called me to this, I know you're going to help me get there. I know you're going to provide the way for us to get there. I know you're going to provide with me the, the, the wisdom on what to do when I do get there. But we have to be secure in God. And that's the way. We, so how do we deal with this root of pride? Like I said, we have to become secure in Christ. But Matthew 4, 3, this is hilarious. It says, and when the tempter came and said to him, so this is talking about Jesus when he's, he's been fasting for 40 days, and who comes to aggravate him? Satan. Who tries to aggravate you every day? Satan. So the devil says this, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he's talking to Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, could you imagine if Jesus says, Am too? <laughs> Satan says, If you're the Son of God, oh, I am too the Son of God. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Why didn't Jesus, you know, reply to that statement? Because Jesus knew who he was. And that is the mentality that we need to have when Satan comes into our lives and says, Hey, are you sure about this? 
Are you sure God loves you? Are you sure you're a child of God? Are you sure about this? Are you sure about that? We shouldn't sit there and haggle. We should say, hey, I am a child of God. Jesus is my righteousness. Amen? Jesus is my peace with God. We shouldn't sit there and, and, and play, you know, dibble-dabble with Satan going, yeah, yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. We shouldn't do that. We should know. But here's the deal. When you walk with God as Moses did, and you read His Word, and your mind's full of truth, and your mind has been renewed by the Word of God, you're able to do that. Jesus didn't say anything to Satan outside of Scripture in His replies. He said, he turned that stone into bread. He says, man shall not, you know, uh, live, live by bread alone. By every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. I mean, he, he, he used Scripture to tell Satan to shut up. And what do we need to do? We need to use Scripture to tell Satan to shut up. But we need to be secure in the truth. We need to believe what we say. And when we don't need to say anything, because we already know it the truth, we shouldn't have to say anything. We just believe in who we are. So under, you know, so, so you know, I'll tell you a, real story, a short story real quick before we go. There was, a there was a prince. There was a king, a queen, and a prince. And imagine the big castle, the moat, and all that stuff, and a village all around it, you know, a beautiful countryside in, in Europe. And there was the village, you know, and, and the prince one day went out on the, on the balcony, and he was looking out into the village. And out in the village, he sees a fair young maiden, but she's a peasant. But immediately he falls in love with her. And he says, I want her to be my wife. But he wanted her to love him for who he was. Not because of his position, but because of his personality. So he decided that I'm going to go out into the community, and I'm going to live as a peasant, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to give up all my rights and all my entitlements and all my possessions, and I'm going to work just like a normal person. And I'm going to win this girl's heart over. And so he does this, and over a period of a couple of years, he gets to know her, and he, they, they both fall in love, and, and then he proposes to her, and then, bam, he carries her off to the castle for the wedding. She wasn't expecting this. So one day, you know, he, they, they grow older as a couple, and, and one day the king and the queen die, and now who's the king and queen? The, the once was prince and his peasant wife. Now here's the thing. You know, it would be easy for her or him to be insecure about the way they felt about each other. But him, though, being a king and being rich and all that, he wasn't insecure about how she felt about him because she accepted him for what she thought that he was. And she, the same, when she looked at him, she knew that he loved her so much that he gave up everything that he had and came and loved her despite that so that he could gain her affection. So both of them had no reason to be insecure about the other. The queen, here's the deal, when she grew up, even though she was a peasant, she grew up, she was queen. And you know what? When she had insecurity, she, she knew one thing. I am the queen. By law, by, by decree, nothing can change that. My past or anything, nothing can change that. I am the queen. And I know that my husband loves me. So she should not have any insecurities. You follow me? But here's the deal. What kept her from being proudful, from going from a peasant to a queen? She remembered where she came from. She remembered her past. She remembered 
from where she was rescued. You see, understanding that I am a child of the king deals with my insecurity. When we know and believe and walk in that God is my father and I am his child, that right there is the cure for insecurity. It all boils down to the faith that I believe in what God said. Remembering where I came from deals with my pride. And where did we come from? There is none righteous. No, not one. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, when we remember where we came from, when we remember how low we were, but how much Jesus loved us to give up all that he had, to die on the cross, to take a beating so that he could have a relationship with us, that right there should give us security in our relationship with him. And it should also keep us humble knowing from where we came from. And this is the two mentalities that we need to walk in day in and day out. And you know what us as fathers, this is what we need to teach our kids. And this is the way we need to raise our kids. And mothers, this is the way we need to walk in relationship with one another. We need to be secure in who we are as God's people. And we need to be humble because we know that we come from. We need to be humble knowing that we are nowhere as awesome as God is. But God has a dream and a destiny for you, but you will not reach your destiny until you deal with the pride test, until you begin to pass the pride test. And I'm going to tell you this, it's not a one-time deal. Even, I believe, once you begin to assume stepping into your destiny, it's something that you have to continually walk in. You see, me, as a pastor... I am not someone who has got it all figured out. I have passed all the tests, and now here I am to help you people. But here's the thing. Sometimes I find in dealing with sheep, in dealing with the church, God is really more so trying to change me than he is anybody else. And this is the way God set up our lives. You see, Joseph. You see, Joseph could say, God, why me not? But you know what? Here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph started out arrogant, but as he went through 13 years of the pit as a servant, as a prisoner, he continued to believe in God. He continued to trust God. And as as we watched that cartoon the other day with Cammy, it showed him in the prison. And it showed him he was broken, but it's almost like he had a revelation. And it was like a little bitty old dead tree in the middle of the prison cell. And he began to just say, you know what? I'm going to bring life to this place. And he began to put sand on it. He began to manicure it. And he began to take care of it. And, and when they came to take him out of the jail to go see Pharaoh, that tree was a big old beautiful tree that he had grown in that prison. Because he said, God, you're going to make something out of this. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to be secure in this, that you have given me a dream and that you're going to help me fulfill this dream. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Just everyone bow your head and close your eyes real quick. You know what some of you want so badly for God to speak into your life. Some of you are like, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is the one whom we serve. Jesus is the one whom we serve. And we are, we're, we're ambassadors out here. We're an embassy. We're a, we're a, ch- we're a church in a, in a host nation called America. But we are here not to represent America. We are here to represent the kingdom 
of heaven with our lives. And God has a purpose for each and every one of us. But it's not for you, it's for His glory. But I'm going to tell you this, to, to walk in the joy and the fullness of life, I believe this, that when we figure out what God wants from us, that is the most ideal place to be in this life. Is there going to be hardships? Most definitely. Is it going to be easy? Nope. But here's the deal. You're not going to do it without Jesus. You're not going to do it without being secure in Him. You're not going to do it by being arrogant. You're going to do it by being humble because of where you've came from. But you're going to succeed in your security because you're going to know who you are in Christ. And so i got a question I want to ask you today. How many of you today say, I want to know my purpose in this life and fulfill it? Raise your hands. How many of you say, I want God to show me the dream that he has for me in my life? And you, don't, you have no idea. Raise your hands. If you just like, I have no idea, but I want God to show me. Amen. Well, this is what I want you to do. Those of you, first of all, those of you that say you have an idea, a dream, quit dreaming about it. Begin to walk with God and pursue it. Repent. You know, submit. Do whatever you got to do. There's been a many of people called to do things for God, but you know what? They didn't because of pride, because of selfishness, and because they made it about them and not what God's called them to do. But if today, if you say that I want God to give me a dream for my life, I want you to come down and, and I'm going to pray for you real quick that God begins to speak in your life. If that's you, come on right now. Amen, come on. Remember, we're dealing with pride here today, so don't be proud. Say, I want God to share what his dream is for me in my life. I say, if you, if, on this part, on, you know, we're going to be talking about this for nine more weeks, but this here, on the issue of pride, be like Jesus. When Satan says, are you, are you, are you a son of the king? Say, don't even, don't even argue with him. Just know it. Be secure in who Jesus is and be humble knowing where you came from. But Father, we just come today and I pray for these, God. Lord, I pray that you'll just touch them and bless them, Father. God, I pray that you'll begin to give them a dream, Lord. God, that you'll be able to speak into their lives. Lord, that you will allow them, Lord, to begin to pursue you. Lord, to, 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 be, to connect with the identity, Lord, that you've given them in Christ. God, I pray, Father, that you'll just show them how important they are, how valuable they are to the kingdom, Lord. God, how much you love them, God. And Lord, how important they are to what you want to do in this world. God, I pray that you'll speak to them. God, that you'll let them submit themselves to you for the purposes of their life that you have for them. God, be with them and guide them. Lord, begin to swell up within them, God, dreams. God, not, not personal dreams that get in the way of the dream you have for us, but dreams that you would have for them. Lord, whether they're to be pastors, whether they're to be worship leaders or whether they're to, to, to be evangelist on the job or whatever it is, God. Lord, let them seek you, God. And God, speak to them clearly like you did to, to Moses, Father God. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.